0: well uh i'm not Blake, uh, just in case you were questioning that for a second. Uh, I thought you were uh, seeing something uh, my name is cody i 'm the college minister here. I also help out with the uh, men 's ministry and the missions team uh, i've been on the job for since july i'm kind of the newbie, but uh, thankfully i won't be the newbie for long as the youth pastor gets here very soon, and uh, he'll be the newbie so uh, uh this is my wife Carolyn, right down here uh. We've been married for going on five years and uh, my, my son Gabriel, he's 10 months old. Um, just love being here in this family. I love being a part of Southside. It's been such a blessing to be, a, be in family and along those lines, that's what we're going to be dealing with today in First John. We're going to be in First John 4. I, I first applied for this job uh, in March. And then once Blake got my application, uh, it was actually Carolyn who, who found it online. She was looking online and I was coaching track at ACU and, and she, she found it online, she saw the job opening. I was like, oh dude, you need to go check this out. She texted me and like yeah, that day I sent my application in. So Blake and I, we sit down for lunch together and I'm, I'm super jacked up about it. I'm just like, oh man, this is awesome. I just feel like this is what the Lord's leading us to. I feel like this is kind of the next step. And we sit down for lunch, and, and Blake and I are talking. I'm like, dude, I, I, man, Blake, it's so great to meet you. I, I, I think this is it. I think this is, I think God's in this. And I'm so excited. And he kind of sat there, and he was pondering, and he was like, yeah, that, that may be true, but you know, I just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you're ready. I was like, oh, man, I'm like, come on, you know, like, I was a little let down. But so he goes back, and he talks with the elders, and we meet again again in April. And in April, we have lunch again, and and still going through the application process. If you've ever been around Southside long enough, you know the application process is about, you know, 10 years. And they take their sweet time, but no one's ever complained about, uh, you know, waiting on the Lord to work. You know, most of the time it comes from acting too fast. So that's why. So in uh, April, I, I sit down, we have lunch again, and I'm like, oh man, I, I've got to get his attention, right? Like I've, I've got to do something to like get his attention. And, and so, all right, I got it. So we sit down for lunch and we're talking and I'm like, man, I just, I really feel like this, is, God's in this. I really feel like this is the Lord's will. And uh, listen, you can just pay me part-time. And so he, he sat there for a second. And he was pondering for a second. And so, you know, I, I, I still don't think you're ready. Like this, this may be God working, but I just, I still don't think you're ready. I'm like, come on. I got, I'm coming down, pay, I have to pay me that much. Uh, and then, so I continue to pray about it. And, and he prays about, it. he goes and talks with the elders. Uh, and then May comes along and we sit down for lunch again. I'm like, dude, I got to do something drastic. I got to get this guy's attention. And so we sit down for lunch and I'm like, dude, I, I, just, I, so believe that this is God's will. I think this is God's will that you don't even have to pay me. I will work. I'll work for free. And he sat there and kind of smiled and he said, now you're ready. <laughs> obviously that's just a joke. Obviously, um, the leadership in Southside uh, pays the workers very well, and uh, we're very, very grateful and very blessed. Um, so, but what 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 that did was uh, allowed us to move into ministry for the first time. Me and my wife, we were able to, you know, jump in both feet into full time ministry, and and it's been an amazing journey. Uh, this past fall in the college ministry. Uh, we've been going through the book of First John. And so this sermon is kind of a summary of what the college students have been learning. And it's something that is not necessarily new. It's very foundational to what we as Christians believe in. It's, it's not anything new, but it's, this is everything that, that we should be living in. Like this is, this is kind of old news for us, right? Talking about God's love. But it's important. This isn't, uh, this isn't a sermon that's supposed to set us off for the new year. But hopefully what it does, I hope that it recalibrates us and brings us back to zero. And I hope that it brings, makes the main thing the main thing. I hope that this will recalibrate our spiritual minds as to what is important and how we can make 2019 I mean, the best ever, because based off of God's love, you can't get better than that. So we're reading First John four, starting in verse seven through 12. I'm going to read the whole passage. "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God." if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Uh, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, that's on page uh, 961. So, all right, so who's writing this? First John, The kind of just gave myself away there. It's John. It's John the Apostle. It's it's John. Here's some of the stats of this John. It's not John the Baptist. This is John. Uh, He's considered the youngest disciple. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation. He's considered the youngest disciple. He's one of the sons of thunder. At one point, he and his brother James wanted to call down fire on one of the Samaritans' village because they rejected Jesus and Jesus had to rain in his dogs a little bit. Uh, So maybe he had a temper, right? Or he was very zealous or passionate. John was one of the inner circle. He was Peter, James, and John. John was the only disciple who did not leave Jesus at the cross. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says that over and over again in his gospel. He doesn't refer to himself as John. He says the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was the one who took care of Mary once Jesus died and rose again. He survived being dropped in boiling oil as a form of execution. God spared him from that. And so they couldn't kill him. And so they exiled him to the island of Patmos, which is where he received revelation and wrote revelation. He's the only disciple to die of natural causes. Those are his stats, right? So... If you're putting together a spiritual football team he's kind of the Tom Brady of <laughs> some people are shaking their heads it's definitely not Dak Prescott I'm sorry I know I'm in in Texas but it's definitely not Dak Prescott he's he's basically he's he's a good quarterback he's Tom Brady uh sorry I am a, I'm a Cowboys fan just just a little disgruntled um John he got John he's this big wig right like he's this he's John and Paul and John the Baptist, those are all can kind of contend for your top three picks, right? And the purpose of him writing this book is to affirm those who are in the faith and to convict those who are not. Okay, so he's writing to a group of churches. He's writing to churches. He's writing to believers. But there's been some... uh, wolves in sheep's clothing who have gotten into the flock. And so he's trying to help them discern who is in Christ and who is not in Christ. And so throughout 1 John, he, he brings up these different marks of a believer. We can see this kind of relationship that he has with the church in just his first word. Verse 7, beloved, beloved. He starts off verse 7 with two points that we've got to, this is the basis, these, these two points that are, that's a foundation for the rest of the sermon. He says, beloved, let us love one another. This is the church. This is us. This is the body of believers. Those who are, we are loved by God. We are beloved. We are loved by God. And notice that he's not addressing, he's not addressing unbelievers. He's not saying, He's not saying, hey, go and, and love unbelievers in this context, even though we should be doing that, right? Yes, we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And who is my neighbor, asks the lawyer to Jesus. And, and Jesus answers with the story of the Good Samaritan. And the conclusion from that story is that, that our neighbor is the one who showed mercy. It's, our neighbor is anyone. But that's not the context here. He's talking to the church, okay? He's, he's writing to the church He's, he's telling the church to love the church. So that's the first point. Let us love one another. This is one of the first two points that sets the tone for the rest of the sermon. Let us love one another. Let us love the church. This is an exhortation. This is an encouraging command. You can see this, this pastor figure, this father figure urging and pulling along his congregation to say, let us do this. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. What's after that? For love is from God. This is the second point that we've got to get in the foundation. For love is from God. He says this later on in the chapter in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. See, God is the source of love. If, if, picture a star, a sun up in the sky and, and, Shining out from that is the light of love. If God is love and he's this star and he's shining out love, he, he is the source, he is the light, he is the warmth and shines down onto the earth. That star, that sun is not Hollywood. That sun, that star is not your spouse. That sun and that source is not your kids. God is the source of love. God is the producer of love, and we are consumed by and live by and exist by his love. This is not something that we do on our own, on our own accord, that we can conjure up this love. Love is from God. So let's love one another. God is the source of love. Okay? So that's just the introduction. We're going to hit three main points as we move further. This is the foundation. Getting those things correct, at that we are supposed to love each other and that God is from love, we're going to be able to discern God's love. We're going to be able to define God's love. And then, therefore, we're going to be able to display God's love. Just like any good Baptist, I try to do the alliteration there, D, D, D. So, hopefully that's helpful. Let's move on in the text. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. This is God's love discerned. He's writing this so that we can discern what, who is in God's love. What is God's love? We can discern who is in Christ by the way they love if we claim to have been we're on earth and this light is shining on us, if we claim to be in that light, we put our money where our mouth is and and, and we love. If we have, if we claim that we have been shown love, then what is the reaction to that? We love. So the mark is how we discern God's love is by loving because God is love. We are God's children if we love you want to know who a Christian is? Look at how much they love the church. You want to know who a fellow believer is? Don't, don't look at their Instagram and Twitter. They can write anything on there. Look at where they're putting, put their money where their mouth is by loving the church. That's how we discern who a believer is. How much do they care for and, and love this church? Why? Because God loves his church this is the bride 1 John 3 14 says we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers whoever does not love abides in death so loving the church is a self-evident mark right so if we've been shown God's love we do God's love it's a self-evident mark. What I mean by that self-evident mark is you know you're a Texan because of certain self-evident marks. Uh, having recently moved here, they're more apparent to me than maybe you because it's just it's self-evident for a lot of y'all. Uh, Texans have an abnormal amount of state pride. That's just kind of a self-evident thing, right? You never hear of Rhode Island saying, everything's smaller in Rhode Island. <laughs> Everything's darker and gloomier and drearier in Rhode Island. No, because we're Texas. Everything's bigger and better in Texas, right? You know, here's another one. In Texas, especially in Abilene, you know to pack your car with a windbreaker, a snow shovel, an umbrella, sunscreen, and flip flops on any given day because of how quickly the weather can change. In Texas, one of another self-evident marks is that date night is already assumed that it's either barbecue or Mexican food. Sorry, that's just that's about it. If we go out to Chick Fil A, that's a big deal. We're being rebels if we go out to Chick Fil A and get Chick Fil A. It's already a given that we're gonna eat Mexican food or barbecue. So these are self-evident marks. Self-evident mark of a believer. A way that we can discern who is a believer is by how they love each other. The goal of 1 John, John wants the believers, like I said earlier, to know who is in Christ. So what does this do? He, what this does, to know who is in Christ, it, it strengthens those who are in Christ and it convicts those who are not. That's his goal. It's, he's trying to, to weed out those who are, keep those in the flock who are, who are in Christ, but then weed out those who are not and we can discern who is a christian by how much they love the church so if if you love the church if you love the church be encouraged be affirmed that's the good news in this the bad news is if you do not love the church be convicted if you're not loving the church be convicted it is a self-evident mark that we know who is in Christ by the way we love then what is love what is love baby don't hurt me don't hurt me we write songs about it we write we have movies about it also so what is love that's leads us to our second point God's love defined let's define God's love verse 9 In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. I'm not going to use a Webster's definition. We're not gonna let Hollywood or our spouse or our kids, thank the Lord, define what love is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try Google what is love. This this is love. This is the definition of love. This is a summary of those two verses: that God sent His only Son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins so that we might live through him. Probably got hung up on that, that word there, propitiation. Blake talked about this earlier in the fall when he was addressing why is Christianity so bloody. Propitiation is, it's a big kind of scary theological word for satisfactory, satisfying of wrath, sacrifice. So satisfactory sacrifice. So, In Christ alone, the song, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We see this in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we have peace? Because God is holy and hates sin. We are sin. Therefore, God hates us, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction of that wrath, to absorb that wrath that was due us. Some may ask, why didn't God the Father just come down himself? You ever thought about that? Why did he have to send his son? I mean, I'm all about delegating, but... Isn't that a little extreme? I found a glimpse of this and I caught a glimpse of, of why he did this on F- February 15th, 2018. That's when my son was born. Day after Valentine's Day, there's little Gabriel, came a month early. And I knew at that moment I would do anything. To keep him alive. Daddies, you you know what I'm talking about. Mamas, you know what I'm talking about. And it just became so much more, it became real to me that I would do anything to keep this little bundle alive. I wouldn't give him up for anything. I mean, y'all are nice people and everything, but I'm not going to give my son up for you. But see, Jesus is the son of the father and the father shows his love towards us by sending his son fathers get this feel what i'm talking about sent his son to die for us enemies of god ephesians 2 talks about that we're enemies of god God really, really, really loves you. He sees you where you are and doesn't blush. Doesn't stop there. He he wants to take these things, these enemies of Him. And pay the price that was towards them, which was what was most precious to him. His son was the price and perfection. And transforms what these enemies into children, into his children. That, why, why? So that we can, we can display God's love, that we can be pictures of God's love. God, really, I want you, you've got to hear me. I know it's cold out there. I know for some of us it may be a really sad time. Christmas is usually an often joyful time, but for a lot of people it's, it's sad time for whatever many reasons. But you've got to hear me. If you don't hear anything else today, you've got to hear this. That God, the holy and perfect judge, really, really loves you. He loves you so much that he gave up his son to die for sinners. You didn't do anything to earn it. Didn't do anything to merit it. Because God's good. So what can we conclude? What is love? Love is giving of self for the benefit of others. Love is giving of self for the benefit of others. I think think that's a word for every marriage in this room, especially marriages who are are struggling right now. Love is not... uh, some ro- romantic comedy. Love is not The Notebook. It's a great movie, I, you know, all that. But it's not love. Love isn't some that we see in, in some fictional story. Love is giving of self for the benefit of others. I pray that we will apply that in our marriages specifically. So God loves us so that we can display his love and be, be displays of his love, which leads to the third point, God's love displayed. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, you see that word beloved. Beloved. John's writing to his beloved, his people, his family, his children of the faith. And it also says that we're beloved, meaning that we are beloved by God. We are loved by God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Turn, just flip over a page to 1 John 3, verse 16 through 18. Chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. We just covered that. That's love, right? Comma, and. This is where the rubber meets the road. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Can we say this of us? I'm so grateful that the elders and Blake have given me this opportunity because this isn't something I have nearly mastered. This is not anything that I'm least of all should be doing this, preaching this sermon. But let us be challenged to do this, to love each other in the way that Christ loved us. And how did he love us? By giving up his life for us. So how, like, like how, do, how do we actually take this concept of God giving up his life for us? How do we put flesh and blood on that? How do we, how do we make that happen? Well, it's in verse 17 of first uh, John 3. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, beloved little children, let us love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What's he saying? Let us do love. Let us act in this love. John Stott, he's a really famous, smart guy, uh, way smarter than me. And he's written several commentaries. He's a pastor for many, many years. He says that the historical manifestation of God's love in Christ. So manifestation just means the obvious showing of. So the, the historical showing of God's love in Christ not only assures us of his love for us, but lays upon us the obligation to love one another. Let me say that again. So, so Christ, the manifest, manifestation of God's love in Christ, not only assures us of his love for us, it's, it's God's love sending his son should assure us, should give us confidence that he loves us if he gave up what was most precious to him for us. It not only does that, it lays upon us the obligation to love one another. In short, how you've been loved is how you should love. How you have been loved is how you should love. We ought to give ourselves up for each other. You know, it's great Christmas time. I I got a dozen different kinds of cookies and they're all we made some ourselves and, you know, I was, I was given a lot, you know, from you guys and, but it should be more than just giving each other cookies on Christmas and should be more than just seeing each other on Sunday. It should be more than just Christmas and Easter. It should be more than just Sunday and showing up and then leaving and then going about your business and not seeing each other until another seven days from now. Yes, the cookies are delicious, but it needs to be more than cookies. It needs to be more than, than giving Christmas cards. All those, those things are great and they're awesome. But we're missing the point if we stop there. We need to love each other in such a way that we reflect Christ, that we would be willing to give up our lives for each other. That, that hurts to say that. That's challenging me as I say that to us, as God's word says it. So ways at Southside right now that we can do this, the steps that we can take to do this right now, so we're actually putting flesh and blood on this, like, like we're actually doing this. Ways at Southside right now that we can display God is by membership. We, we want to know who is in the family, who, who are we going to give up our lives for? Who are we going to, if we have something and we see someone in need, who are we going to help them out? Who, who can we help out? Membership helps with that because we know who is in this family by attending regularly, by tithing, by giving to the church, by taking of the ordinances, baptism and communion, through Bible study, both personal and at church, by serving. by ser- We serve each other when we serve our kids, when we serve each other's kids. That means serving in the nursery. That means Joyfully serving in the nursery. That means joyfully serving the youth. That means joyfully worshiping on stage. Because every, our mentality and our our heart should be, every time that we serve, every time we change a diaper, is telling each other, I love you. So by serving, by discipling, This isn't just a a word for me and Blake and Taylor. This is us. This is deacons, elders. This is everyone. This is discipleship, just means helping each other towards Christ. That's a word for especially some of the senior saints. We need your wisdom. Help us. Help us move closer to Christ. Older men, older women. Who are you taking under your wing to push towards Christ? This means being part of a small group. We've got lots of opportunities for that with home groups and uh, Sunday school, and adult Bible studies on Sunday morning, and on Wednesday night equipping classes, being a part of a small group. Let's get back on track. Verse 12, to really drive this home. No one has ever seen God. This is verse 12 of chapter 4. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. God abides in us if we love each other. It's a self evident mark. Self evident mark that if God truly lives inside of us, we're loving each other. This love is perfected in us. It is brought to completion. And we know that we fully understand and we get God's love when we in turn love each other. That what's, that's what brought to completion means. It's brought to completion. It's perfected by us being loved by God. It's brought to completion by loving each other. So in conclusion... You ever wish that you could just see God? It's kind of a random question, but you ever thought of, man, I just wish I could see God. Well, there's a few in the Bible that got pretty close. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne. The trail of his robe filled the temple, and there was fire and smoke and seraphim, and there's these angels going around singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year, all the time, doesn't stop. And he saw this, and he was broken. And then you got Moses in Exodus chapter 33. He said, God, show me your glory. And God says, if I really show you my glory, if I really turn it up to level 10, you're going to die. So what I'll do, I'll, I'll turn up to level nine and I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand over you in the side of the mountain and I'll walk past you and you can see my back. Because if you, if you saw my face, you'd die. Anybody ever want to be those guys? Trust me, if we love each other in the way that Christ loved us, we will see God. We will show God. We will display God. We will display God's love. Jesus says this in the same writer. It's, It's in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Are you scared to evangelize like 99.9% of people? Love each other. That's the first step. The world's going to know that you're Christ's disciple by the way that you love each other, by the way that we love each other. Loving each other is our greatest display of God to the world. Through this passage, we have seen how we can discern God's love amongst ourselves. We've been able to define what God's love is. Let us now display God's love. Let us display God's love by loving each other in the way that Christ loved us. You want to see God? Trust me, family. If we love each other in a Christ-like way, not only will you see God, so will Abilene, and so will Texas. And so will the rest of the world.